Arthur Stace lived in the last century, in the middle of the last century, in Sydney, in Australia. Uh, brought up in, his ho- in a home where his parents were alcoholics, his siblings were alcoholics, he himself became an al- alcoholic. Ended up in petty crime and in prison for a while. Uh, helping his sisters in a brothel for a while. And then he came to a lunch where he heard the gospel. First time he had heard it. God spoke to him. And that day, Arthur Stace gave his life to Christ. Short time later on, he was sitting in church and the evangelist preacher there preaching about heaven and about eternity shouted out eternity eternity I wish that I could sound or shout that word to everyone in the streets of Sydney you've got to meet it where will you spend eternity Arthur stays sitting there wondered how God could use him he felt a little bit of chalk in his pocket He walked out of the church that day and there on the pavement he wrote in beautiful copper plate writing the word eternity just on the pavement in front of the church. He went round the corner a bit further up the street and he wrote the word again. And for the next over 30 years Arthur Stace wrote that word eternity all over the streets of Sydney reminding people that we must meet eternity. Where will we spend it? So much did he... he, he it, was, it took about 20 years before anyone discovered who it was that was writing this word uh, all over the streets. And he became known as Mr. Eternity. So much so that many years after he died, at the turn of the millennium, there on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, in the midst of the fireworks was written the word eternity. (laughs) Arthur would say that he he didn't even know how to spell it and how he could write it in that copper plate writing. He never knew. But it was what he could do for God. Eternity. How true is eternity? We live in a world of fake news, conspiracy theories, Social media, fact-checking. How can we ever find out the truth about eternity? Some want to just tell us, oh, forget it, it's not there. Death, and then that's it. With no basis at all for them hanging on to that because they don't want to face God. How can we know? Jesus himself is the one who tells us. He says, I am the truth. The Holy Spirit will come. The Spirit of truth will come. And he will guide you into all truth. And as he prayed to the Father, he said, Father, your word is truth. There's only the one place that we will ever find the truth about eternity. And that's in God's word. And that's how, as God's Spirit, takes that into our hearts. We're going to read some of that truth from Revelation chapter 20. While we're doing that, Harry 
and Peter are, will hand you the famous sheets um, just to make sure that I keep on track. And we're going to be reading starting in Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to start with verse 10. I think I've got on your sheets chapter 20, verse 10, up to chapter 22, verse 6. We're not going to read all of that, just parts of that. One of the things that I notice right at the end, the very last words that we'll be reading, are the words the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. These are God's words. John, the Apostle John, had been taken up to heaven to see things that no one else had ever seen, and nor have they seen since while living here on the earth. And he was told, write it down. Because I want the folks in Gilnerhart to know. And John wrote it down. And that's how we know God's trustworthy and true words in regards to eternity. Let's read chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written, In the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. On into chapter 21. Then I saw, this is John writing, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Go down, on down to verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Let's move on down to verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city. 
because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. On into chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp, Or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me. me, These words are trustworthy and true. Jesus spoke about hell and heaven often. He spoke about two gates that opened into two roads that led to two destinations. One destination was eternal life. The other destination, as Jesus said it, was eternal punishment. Two gates, two roads, two destinations for eternity. And in the verses that we read there in Revelation, I'm sure you will have noticed the contrast between the first few verses that talked of the day of judgment and talked of the lake of fire and all those other verses that talked of heaven. Each time forever and ever. That's eternity. It's forever and ever. But I wonder if you noticed there was one thing that was mentioned in both of those sections. The book of life. The Lamb's book of life. God makes it very clear to us that after death we stand before Christ himself on the day of judgment. And a book will be opened. Many books will be opened, we read. But there was one book very specially that would be opened there. And we were told in chapter 20 if anyone's name was not written in that book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Eternal punishment, torment, as we read, uh, as we read of Satan being cast into that lake. But we also read at the end of chapter 21, 
when we read about heaven. And it said there that there was nothing impure would ever enter heaven. Only those whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life. So in one sense, it comes down just to one matter, one book. And for each one of us here, it comes down to, is my name in that book? It's a book of life. It's Jesus' book of life. The Lamb's book of life. Jesus himself said, I am the life. He's the one who gives that life, that eternal life. And all eternity almost hinges on that book. Is my name in that book? I remember Jesus talking to his disciples one time and said, you rejoice because your names are written in that book. Oh, if I can get one thing uh, across this morning. It's that question which only you can answer before God. Is your name there? Because it's all the difference between eternity in the lake of fire and eternity Eternal life in heaven with Christ. All down to where our name is written or not written. If there's someone here and you're not, maybe you're just not sure whether your name is written in that book or not. Can I urge you? Can I encourage you? Can I beg of you this morning? You get that sorted out today. You can know that your name is written in the book of life. You can know that you have eternal life today. You can know where you will spend eternity. God is wanting our names to be written in that book of life. You know, when we read about the lake of fire, hell, And we read about the torment day and night. Sometimes the thought comes, what sort of God would do that? Can I tell you that the God who is over all in this world, in this universe, in in everything, is a God who doesn't want one single person to end up in the lake of fire. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to him in repentance and receive the eternal life. So if you want to know what God wants in regards to this book, in regards to our eternity, he makes it very clear. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And for that reason, and we read that that verse that we know so well in John 3.16, the next verse is so important as well in verse 17 God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. That's God's desire. That's why we then have that verse 16, that God loved the world so much he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish. Not might not perish will not perish, but he will have eternal life. That's the name written in the book of life. Oh, please don't leave here thinking God doesn't really care about you. He loved you enough to give you his son. 
to die for you, to take the punishment for your sin, so that if you come to him in repentance, if you come to him believing that he has already paid that punishment for your sin, with joy he will give you new birth, eternal life, and your name written in that book. But if your name is written in that book, then it's heaven. Only those whose names are written in the book of life will enter heaven. Nothing impure. We read about it. I only read bits of it. John saw lots of it, but there's a lot more that he didn't see. And John had the problem of trying to describe what he saw so we would get an idea. Very quickly, I want just to highlight some of the things about eternity for those whose names are written in the book of life. Heaven is a place of glory. It's a place of joy. It's a place of beauty and light. It's a place of singing and music. It's a place where Christ is. Place of glory. Paul wrote, I consider our present sufferings. And there is a struggle in this world. I don't think anyone finds this world easy to live in. He says, I consider that these present sufferings are not worth even comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. It's a place of glory. We read that in chapter 21 of Revelation. In verse 11, it says, it shone with the glory of God. Verse 23, the city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. The Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. A place of glory place of joy. A few weeks ago in our life group, we were in Hebrews chapter 12. I wonder if you remember that part in verse 22 where we're told that you have come to the city of the living God to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Make no mistake, heaven is a place of joy. Jesus talked about the joy that the angels have over one sinner who repents. Place of joy. Let me read to you again one of the verses that we read earlier. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or all those things that we have to go through in this life not in heaven there's only joy in heaven the place of beauty and light you know the uh, first 1 Timothy 6 we read about our God our God who lives in unapproachable light no, whom no one has seen or can see. The 
But you know, that day in eternity and forever and ever, we will be with him in that no longer unapproachable light. And we read that we will see his face. A place of beauty and light. John trying to describe the beauty of heaven. How could he ever describe that? Well, he, used, he started well because he started in verse 2 talking about the beauty of a bride. It's actually a, a good example of beauty because brides are always beautiful, aren't they? I don't know if we've ever seen an ugly bride yet. The beauty of a bride adorned. He goes on to talk about the precious stones, the precious jewels that are there. He talks about the the gates of heaven. One pearl for each gate. One pearl. We're not talking about that. We're talking big. Beauty and light. Let me read to you again. Chapter 22, verse 5. There will be no more night. No darkness there. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light forever and ever. John wrote in his gospel about Jesus when he wrote, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. We remember that at Christmas time. The true light was coming into this world. The true light lives in heaven. And we will go to be with him forever and ever. There's no darkness in him. It's a place of beauty and light. A place of singing and music. I love that. I love singing and music. One of my favorite chapters is Revelation 5. We've read it often. And there how a small group starts singing a new song. A group of some elders and some preachers. And they start singing about the Lamb, worthy as the Lamb. And then angels join them. And we're told it's thousands upon thousands. You couldn't number them joining. What a choir singing in heaven. And then actually when you read at the end of the chapter, there's even more everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth joins in the song. Place of singing. You read in Revelation 14. And there you find that singing again, singing a new song with harps. Have a harp here. I don't know whether it's the same for you, but for me, one of the most melodious instruments, apart from the human voice, is a harp. Listening to someone just playing a harp. You see, heaven is a place of music and singing. God loves singing, He created singing. He created us to be able to do that, and not just us, even His creation. I found a verse in Isaiah there that talks, Sing, O heavens, talking of the the universe around us, the planets and the stars. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. About Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forests and every tree in it. Heaven is full of singing and music. The one thing that's above all of that glory, joy, beauty, light, singing, music is the fact that he'll be there. We're going home to be with our Savior and Lord forever 
endeavor. Why for me that's even better than anything else in heaven is because it's personal. It's a relationship that started here on this earth as we accepted him as our Savior and Lord and will go on for eternity when we will be with him. It's personal. Let me read again words from chapter 22. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. We will be with him forever. John got excited about that when he wrote his first letter. When he talked about the love of God, that we should be called the children of God and children of God. And then he talked of when Jesus would appear to take us to be with him. I, I don't know what we're going to look like. We can stop all our surmising about what we're going to look like. John tells us we don't know what we're going to look like. But we will see him as he is. And we will be like him. I often think, John, but you do know what he is. You have seen him as he is. You lived with him for over three years. You, you, you listened to him, you touched him, you heard him, you, you talked with him. You saw all that he did. You've seen him as he is. In fact, John, you're the one who, one of the ones that was up in that mount of transfiguration when he was transfixed before you, transfigured before you. And John, on the Isle of Patmos, you're the one who saw him, that vision of him in chapter 1. John, if anyone knows what Jesus is, to see him as he is, you're the one. And John says, no, I'm going to heaven and I will see him as he is. John would tell us, I haven't seen the half of it. And I will be with him and I will be with him forever. And I will be like him. Paul writing in Colossians says, we will appear with him in glory. It's with him. With him. Heaven is being with him. If it's personal for us, can I share with you something that I find amazing? It's personal for him. If we want to be with him, He wants us to be with him even more. You find that amazing? I find it amazing. He's looking forward to that. Remember, as he spoke to the disciples before he went, John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine the place that our Lord is preparing for us? Better than anything that anyone else has ever prepared. No, what is it? No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again to take you to be with me so that where I am, there you will be also. I want you to be with me. He told that to his father. Father, I want those that you have given me to be with me, to see my glory the glory I had before the creation of the world. 
you know, just a week or two ago, I was reading through the letters written to the churches in Revelation. I read these words that thrilled my heart. It was written to the church in Sardis. And Jesus was writing that letter. It was Jesus that was speaking to that church. And that one little phrase, he says, You will walk with me in white. Jesus is looking forward to us being with him and walking with him in white. He even tells us that he's going to come personally for us. He himself will come from heaven. He's not going to send any angels to pick us up and bring us to heaven. He's coming himself. Can I tell you that Jesus is excited about us coming to heaven? We are his joy. And for that joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That's how much he wants us to be with him. He endured the cross. He suffered the shame. Why? So that we could be with him in glory. The series that we've been doing is Head, Hearts, Hands. Really what I've been sharing with you has been all head, if you like. It's God's truth. It's knowledge. The things that John wrote are trustworthy and true. Does it do anything for our hearts? What about if our name is not written in that book or we're not sure if it does it bring a fear in our hearts? Does it bring a remorse for our sin? Does it bring a humility before God as sinners before Him? For those whose names are written there, does Eternity with him in glory thrill us? Do we long for it? Do we wait for it? Those are some of the words that are used in scripture of people who are just waiting, who are longing for, who eagerly look forward to, who eagerly await, who groan inwardly. They wait. God's people are waiting to be with him. Paul says, I want it. I desire to be with Christ. It's far better, he says. Peter writes, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and hasten its coming. I think that's the impression that John got when he saw all this, when he was given a view of heaven like this. What were John's last words? As he wrote, tried hard to explain to us about heaven, about being with Jesus. His last words were, just three words, come Lord Jesus. Come. I hope our hearts have an emotion about eternity. There needs to be, because if there's no nothing in our hearts, no emotion there, then there will be we will leave here and we will go out and we will live just like everyone else. We won't live godly and holy lives that bring glory to Him. We won't care that much 
about those who are lost and whose names are not written in that book and who will be in torment day and night forever and ever. If there's nothing in our hearts, then our hands will do just what everyone else's hands out there are doing. Many years ago, I remember hearing uh, disparagingly at times people talking about someone who was so heavenly minded that they were no earthly use. I don't know if you've heard that. Actually, I haven't heard that for years. I hope it's not because we've become so earthly minded that we're not much heavenly use. If a, if a phrase like that can be any help, can I say it's only if you're heavenly minded that we look to the things which are eternal. It's only if we're heavenly minded that we can be of earthly use to God as we wait for his coming. Outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Our life and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Father, I just pray that your spirit will speak to our hearts, touch our hearts, give fire to our hearts this morning. For any, Father, who are not sure that their name is written in that book, that book of life, I pray that even today they would get before you and get that name written in, receive your eternal life as they come in repentance and belief. And I pray, Father, for all of us who belong to you, that as we look forward to the coming of our Lord, or as we look forward to that day when you say, I'm taking you, as we look forward to that, that we will live lives that are holy, godly, burdened for those who are still lost. Help us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.